0: Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, what happens when you realize the house isn't haunted? You are the one who is haunted.
1: Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online.
0: Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855-853-4802. Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly... Dead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Oh, indeed it is. Welcome to the program. Be sure to press subscribe wherever you download podcasts so you don't miss any of our episodes. You can even subscribe and get access to our bonus episodes, the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories, the... Advanced episodes, all of it commercial free, so you can binge away on ghost stories. You can do that through Apple Podcasts right now. Just go there and uh, sign yourself up. Even try it for three days free. If you're not an Apple Podcast, Patreon.com/slash Real Ghost Stories, or go to GhostPodcast.com. It's uh, Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? It is that
2: time of year when all the uh, the preview or the like the the new shows are coming out on some of the networks and so mm-hmm. a lot of the ghost hunting shows are showing up now and gives me something to dig into cuz I, I I've got people who make fun of me cuz like there's two things I'll watch or three things. Number 1 is either like ghost hunting shows. The other thing is like home improvement shows or that kind of thing. Or old classic game shows that's pretty much what i watch in the evening if i'm watching anything mm-hmm. so i'm just excited because it's been months and months and months of really bad episodes of concentration <laughs> concentration <laughs> or like really
0: coming back you're uh you're cutting out there Hang on, let me... I'm uh, cutting out? Yeah, let me... Uh, it I, looks like my Wi-Fi changed. I'm going to jump over to this other one. Okay, you said months and months of episodes of really bad concentration. Stand by while this gets secured. Okay, you should be good. Okay. Pick it up from concentration. So it's either watching like really
2: old episodes of concentration with Alex Trebek or home improvement shows that I really am not interested in right now. Uh, But now the uh, new ghost hunting shows are out. So I've got something to actually watch. I'm actually excited about watching TV again.
0: What if you could make one where it's it's a game show, but it's hunting ghosts and fixing a house all at the same time?
2: Well, I actually that's funny because I actually had an idea for like a game show for ghost hunters. Like you put them in situations and see which team gets the most points for the stuff they find.
0: That would be interesting. Uh, I would love to host that. It would also be interesting of like haunted or not. And you take ghost hunting teams to places that are haunted or not at all. And you see what sort of evidence they find. And then you end up breaking it to them that it's completely bullshit and there's nothing
2: here. Right. Or you fake a bunch of stuff and see if they like bite,
0: you know? Yeah. That would be interesting. Just screwing with them literally for like an hour. (laughs) Would be, I love it. Or, you know,
2: and then the end is like, is it really haunted or is it like a Scooby Doo thing where there's a mask and a, a sheet that's flying on ropes and stuff like that?
0: Although, how do you argue? I mean, because sometimes, you know, they are haunted. It's not necessarily the place that's haunted. So, someone may argue, well, the house might not be haunted, but I am and I brought the spirits. Or I don't know. There's, there's a thousand ways, I guess, you could argue with that. You did get something, but I don't know. I think it could be comical. It could be very comical, especially if you get, uh, if you can conjure up, and communicate with dead game show hosts while on it. So Tonight it's Gene Rayburn yep. and Dick Clark. And that's the whole thing. Whenever you use a Ouija board, you have to try and conjure up a dead game show host. And his and trigger ob- objects would get
2: a really long microphone Yes. Gene Rayburn.
0: <laughs> Be great. Be great. <laughs> new new this fall. Uh, uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us let's go to our first story it says I grew up in a small house in Auckland, New Zealand there were no problems until I was about 14 events started gradually becoming more pronounced over time the earliest signs of something amiss were simply feelings it's hard to explain but it just felt like there was someone in the room with me initially these feelings only occurred in my bedroom Later, I occasionally got them in other parts of the house and altogether different location. It felt scary, but I did not believe there was an actual presence. I thought I was imagining things. As time went on, actual physical contact started taking place. The first few instances felt like fleeting, fairly insubstantial touches and were infrequent. These were harder to dismiss as imagination, but I still managed it for a time. I started to notice that objects in my room were sometimes not where I had left them. Again, I blame my imagination. As time went on, the physical contact became more frequent and more substantial. By now, I knew something was seriously, seriously wrong. I'd usually fleet the room, but on one occasion, I just couldn't get the door open. At the time, I was certain that the presence was somehow stopping stopping it from opening. But now I wonder if in my panic, I was maybe not turning the knob fully. But either way, the result was that I didn't get out fast and experienced a sudden sharp pain on my leg. Then I got the door open and got out. I had a visible bite mark on my leg at the exact spot at which I had felt the pain. The mark appeared to be a human bite. This was the first actual violent contact. I can't describe how terrified I was. I confided in my parents what had happened. I knew they probably wouldn't believe me. But I thought that maybe with the bite mark, they would take me seriously. They didn't believe a word I said and believed that I must have got the bite under very different circumstances, shall we say. My parents are very strict and my punishment was pretty severe. They thought I was doing something I shouldn't have been at my age, which was not the case. Further escalations included several instances in which I saw objects in my room move on their own. The most serious incident of this nature was a drawer flying open and the items of clothing in that drawer just sort of threw themselves out in a clump. Physical touches were in the form of sustained pressure, like a hand on me, not moving, rubbing, single-stroking-type contact, such as the feeling of a hand stroking once down my hair, and so forth. Physical touches and the feeling of a presence continued. The physical touches evolved to include occasional slaps. These were mostly pretty light and felt almost playful in nature. A friend who came around once felt a hand running down her hair and was then slapped when she jumped away. On another occasion, I was at a sleepover at a friend's house, With three other girls, I experienced both the feeling of presence and prolonged touch to my leg while there. The other girls had the same ominous feeling of presence but were not touched. Given that others had experiences when I did not, that strengthens my belief that I wasn't stark raving mad and imagining everything. The fact that the latter occurrence took place away from the house suggested to me that the problem was not my house per se. I started to wonder if I was being haunted rather than my house being haunted. Later events seemed to confirm this. I started hearing what sounded like distant whispers. Can't remember how early in the events this started, but it was definitely sometime after the bite. These did not appear to emanate from any particular direction. For a long time, these were entirely indistinct. But as events progressed over time, some parts would be intelligible, usually only a word or a few words. These were often words that had connotations of ownership. I found these really ominous, and in some ways they frightened me more than many more tangible events. Another development over time was that from time to time I started having prolonged downward pressure on my shoulder or head when standing. These were always accompanied by the feeling of presence and felt like a hand pushing me downwards. The pressure would start increasing dramatically, and the feeling of presence would start to take on an energy, sort of something of feel, I found that if I sat her now, the presence would seem to calm and the pressure on my head or shoulder would abate. I would start up again. If I tried to get up too soon, I found that if I waited a good half hour or so, it would be okay to get back up. Didn't understand at the time, but on reflection, I think it may have been a display of dominance of some sort. When I was 16, I had a development in my personal life, which took place away from my house. Early the next morning at home, I awoke and found myself basically held down hard. There was no one in my room, of course. I felt the presence, and it felt enraged. I got an intense pressure squeezing my throat and couldn't breathe. I was in a complete panic and struggled like mad, but I couldn't free myself. I was close to passing out when the pressure just let go and I got a hard slap to the face. The next day, there was a visible red mark on my face. This was by far the most violent attack I'd experienced at that point, and I'm certain that it was motivated by jealousy or something. It's hard to describe the rage I felt around the, around me during the attack. The presence was just so angry with me, it felt like it hated me with such intensity. My parents saw the mark and quizzed me about it. I again made the mistake of telling them the truth and again was not believed and was punished severely for it. Incidents didn't seem to follow any particular cycle, but the frequency would vary widely. Sometimes I would have multiple incidents in a short space of time. Other times I would go to a number of weeks without anything happening. When I was 17, I went to university and lived in the halls. The incidents continued, although they seemed generally less frequent. This proved to me that the presence was most definitely linked to me rather than to my house. In my second year, I made the mistake of allowing another development in my personal life. This took place several miles from the halls. I would never have let it happen in my room with everything happening. The night after, in my room in the halls, I was again attacked by being pinned and strangled. I swore right off personal life developments the next week or two incidents became frequent but began to taper off again the older i got the more things dropped off the last incident would have been when i was about 23 or 24 i'm 27 now i've been in a relationship for nearly a year and even this hasn't prompted a jealousy attack so i think that whatever the presence is i'm probably free of it i've been researching lately and i'm unclear as to what the nature of the presence was I speculated that it may have been a poltergeist, which I understand to be an internally generated thing rather than a spirit. Things started at the right age for this. However, some events such as the bite and the whispering did not track with this theory. I never saw an apparition or anything that would approximate one. At this point, I believe that most likely the presence was a spirit or a ghost that for some reason took an interest in me and latched onto me. I do not know why it eventually left me alone. Did it move on to some other side? Did it just get bored? I really don't know. If anyone can offer further insight, I'd be very grateful as I'd like to properly understand all of this as it had such an impact on my life for so long. If there's any danger of it coming back later in life, I'd be so thankful for good, sound advice on some way of preventing it. I'd love to get some help and understanding as to what happened. Emma thoughts on Emma's experience and story certainly sounds like the locations
2: she was at were not the issue Mm -hmm. uh it does sound like not necessarily she was the issue but maybe what was going on in her life yeah um in listening to the story like I can assume that you know, she had some stressful situations going on that maybe weren't all that good. Maybe they were relationship involved at times too. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I've heard stories of people who because of the stress they're under or the the negative uh, relationships they're in or, or negative situations they're in can cause things to happen or come into their lives. So that would be my first thought. It sounds like maybe she was under a lot of stress, a lot of negative stuff going on. Probably her family being strict and non-believing didn't help matters at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think all of that combined, and, and maybe she's a little open to stuff, I think that uh, she's very close to being right. You know, she was the one that was kind of haunted.
0: I think it goes beyond poltergeist for sure with the bite marks and such. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's just, it's bizarre and creepy. And then when it's like human bite marks, that's, I mean... Uh, in, in life, in everyday life, there's really now no reason to bite anybody. There's no real foreseeable reason for that ever. Uh, so then to have something that's doing that to you, that just seems very, very menacing, very personal. It's crossing a lot of lines all at the same time. Yeah. And maybe this, you know, she talked a little bit about jealousy and that,
2: that makes a little bit of sense, too. Maybe when she finally got into what seems to like a decent relationship, the jealousy went away or or whatever, But my goodness, I mean, growing up was stressful enough. Can you imagine growing up and having something, uh, you know, attacking you just for basically being who you are?
0: Maybe the person who she's in the relationship now had put a hex or a curse on her until she fell for that person. And then when that happened, then all the bite marks and everything stopped. And it was like, okay, you're the right person now. But if you leave me, the bites come back. Something like that. Uh, Your analogy is much like some sort of weird
2: paranormal Brady Bunch episode. That's what that
0: is. That'd be a great episode where it's like, (laughs) turns out like it's Alice that's controlling everyone because Alice really wants to love everybody and be in this weird polyamorous relationship with everyone in the house. That would be a dark Brady Bunch. (laughs) I never want to watch that show again. Very dark Brady Bunch. Uh, another story, uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. It says, we lived in this one house for many years. I was 16 years old and we moved in. Many creepy things would happen in that house. Things from calling names to hitting us or scratching us. We even had things move or it would call us. Example, it would mock my mom's voice and call my nickname. I had a job at 15 years old and kept working to pay for things. In fact, I bought my mom a gift for Mother's Day one year and brought my mom a voicemail machine It was one where you could rewind it to listen to it over and over. We called them answering machines back in the day, by the way. My mom, sister, and I were all goofing around with it one night. My mom wanted to get serious and leave a good message for callers to hear. Not sure why, since we're a goofy family. Well, our old message was mixed in with a new message. Mom decided to record silence so we could get the perfect message. We did this a few times to get it right. In our home, we had a a cuckoo clock that... Didn't work, this clock came from my grandparents. My grandma passed away in 1995, and that's why we had the clock. Anyways, my mom hit rewind and then play, just to be sure it was ready for her to record a good message. When she hit play, we heard a woman asking for help. She was whispering, almost like she didn't want anyone to hear her asking for help. Then we hear a man call her a bitch, and and it sounded like he was choking her. You could hear gagging like he was killing her. While this was happening, you could hear our cuckoo clock going off in the background of the message. We freaked out, we hit stop and rewind to see if it would play again. It sure did. We kept that message forever and a day until it got deleted. Somehow, someway, it was deleted and we know no one in the home alive deleted it because it was too cool. People would call and get freaked out over it. People would say, I hear a woman calling me a bee, lol. It was one of the coolest things we'd ever caught in that house. We had many events happen, but that was the coolest. So to this day, we still talk about it. I could never find any information on whether or not a woman died there. We believe that house was very haunted. The house still stands and someone now lives in it. I I don't know if it's a haunting or if just a random murder took place next to your answering machine. And (laughs) years later, maybe like, oh, my God, the answering machine had caught the evidence, and someone's you know out, someone's dead, and someone's free, but that answering machine could have solved the uh, the puzzle.
2: It could have. I as soon as she started talking about the answering machine, I'm like, oh, there's going to be an EVP, there's going to be an EVP, and uh, and there certainly seemed to be. There is research with cassette tapes, mm-hmm. and I mean. If you're into investigating or watching ghost shows like I am, there's EVPs all over the place. Typically now they use digital recorders and stuff, but back in the day they did use cassette tapes. Sure. And there are actual actual reported cases of just blank tapes being put in rooms without a recorder and and questions asked and, and all that kind of stuff and an investigation done and playing
0: back that tape. There is stuff on the tape. Like it magnetically imprinting, because that's what you're doing is you're magnetically imprinting audio onto it. So it's almost like it did it. It didn't even need to run through the machine to get it. It's just there. Exactly. So
2: as soon as they started talking about, uh, you know, a a voice recorder or answering machine, I was like, oh, there's going to be EVPs. And I wonder over the years before, you know, this big surgence of investigating and, and knowing what EVPs were and all this recording equipment. I wonder how many times people got voice messages and never even heard that voice in the background that was there.
0: Oh, I bet a lot. And and a lot yeah. of times it'd be written off to, oh, it's an old, cause sometimes on old cassette tapes too, if you recorded over them, sometimes there, there would be a faintness of what was there in the past, unless, you know, you recorded really good. Um, yep. But that that certainly would. I mean, we knew that with reel-to-reels, certainly. We had to. There was a big old magnet thing that it plugged in. And if you put it to your head, you'd probably have cancer in two years. But uh, it also erased tapes. Lovely. Uh, and if you really hated someone that you worked with, you'd go find their demo tape and run the reel-to-reel over it. I think you did that to a couple people over the course of the years, actually. Oh, no, I never did that. <laughs> I think I remember watching you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Never. I would never do that. I actually
2: have one of those, uh, those bulky racers is what it's called. I've got one right here in the studio.
0: What do you use it for? Today,
2: (laughs) I've got got a reel to reel machine. So once in a while, if I'm playing with tapes and stuff like that, I'll bulk erase it. But if you don't do it right, you're right. It'll leave a little bit of that
0: audio still on the tape. You have a reel to reel. Where did you, is it like, is it an old one from a station or something? (laughs) <laughs> you stole it from a station. You stole it from Radio Road, but when it was
2: <laughs> Listen, the guy with two turntables and a microphone
0: from some radio station you were at. Radio Road, that's where I took it. I took it from Radio I Road. I have my the... I got this as a gift from a radio station. Okay. <laughs> I got mine as a gift from a radio station too. I just had <laughs> I just had to crawl through the windows uh to break in and get it. <laughs> But I did get permission. I did get permission, and the place was infested by raccoons at the time. So oh. it uh, it was kind of like, well, I'm going to rescue this before it gets destroyed. And it, it, it's funny because it still has um, there's a, a, a phone number uh, on it, and it's uh, for who is the weather guy in Madison? Um, it's still Charlie on it. Shortino. It was Charlie Shortino weather in the phone number. <laughs> <laughs> you should call that. Sometime. I did. I called it like two years ago, and guess who answered? Charlie Shortino (laughs) and I I was just like no I think he retired like shortly thereafter but I I did try calling it in recent years and he, he answered that's great yeah it was just funny Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another uh, letter. It says, I worked in a church on a college campus for 24 years. I believe the building was at least 50 years old when I was there and hosted many funerals. Over the years, my family and I witnessed some strange occurrences. There was a small black chapel for smaller services and prayer. Or back chapel, not black chapel. Uh, It was cheery during the day. At night, however, almost everyone entering the room would get goosebumps. The chapel was not often used after dark. Every time I went in there, it felt electrified. One night I was working late. After I locked the building and set the alarm, I walked past the outside of my office towards the parking lot. When I passed the door, I heard the distinctive sound of the office door unlocking from the inside. No one was around. Though I knew I could get written up for not locking the door, I decided not to go back inside to check if something had unlocked it. Another night, I was counseling a couple in my office at one end of the building while my husband was reading in the kitchen at the other end of the building. He began to hear chairs being moved in the sanctuary between us. He knew that sound well because we had rearranged those chairs many times. He walked into the sanctuary to check, but no chairs appeared to be moved. He went back into the kitchen and heard the movement again. He checked the sanctuary two more times, but nothing looked out of the ordinary. The noise continued for a while whenever my husband was out of the sanctuary, then eventually stopped. When he told me what happened after, I explained that we had heard nothing in my office. Yet another night, I was working in my office and had my daughter with me. She was thirsty, so she started to walk across the building to get a drink of water. As she got to the back of the sanctuary, she saw a man standing in the fellowship room in front of the kitchen. The building was dark and locked up except for us, but she saw the dark figure clearly. My daughter was startled and ran back to my office crying. I immediately went to look around, but could find no one. Finally, I was hosting a large weekly dinner for students in the fellowship room. My son had to use the restroom in the adjoining hall. While there, he noticed a tall man with dark hair he didn't recognize. Just as my son began to focus on the man, he sort of swirled out the window. My son immediately told me about it, not in a fearful way, but being puzzled. Though I no longer visit that campus building, I remember it as a place of joy, comfort, and mystery. Yeah, you know, churches creep me out. Uh, not all of them, but like certain certain places in in a church creep me out. I can guarantee almost any church I could go to, I could find one portion in that building that's kind of creepy.
2: And if you think about it, I mean, and if you're religious, uh, I'm not saying anything to be mean or or or, or uh, discouraging against mm-hmm. your belief system, but. There is a thing called the Holy Spirit, and that is considered to be a ghost, a spirit. That whole, In fact, they used to call it the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Um. So if, if it's a good church, and if there is such a thing as the Holy Ghost, there should be spirit in that location. So yeah, I would think that there's there's certainly creepy parts to it. And every church that I've been in, new or old, has had some sort of creep factor in
0: certain areas. Yeah. And here's a thought on that. People go to church, they ask for forgiveness. Sometimes they kind of have those moments where whatever, you know, demons or whatever you want to call it, maybe. And I use that term more figuratively than I do literally. Um, right. That may be, you know, holding them back. That may be um, hurting them. And sometimes they kind of have those epiphanies and it's like, okay, I'm going to change my life or do this or that different or something. And, and sometimes it's it's a release. You're, you're asking for forgiveness. You're asking for help. You're asking for Something to change. I mean, in a way, it's kind of like an exorcism uh, that goes on personally for a lot of people every day in a church. I mean, a baptism is technically an exorcism. Uh, When you're doing something like that in these buildings, a lot of people get baptized, too, as adults in these places, uh, which is a rite of exorcism. Uh, They are physical structures, just as any other physical structure would it not make sense that having these sort of things expelled out of people, if that's what in fact is going on for these places to have those energies that still linger there, good and bad. I mean, I would think so. Um, And
2: and the other thing about churches is all of my experiences uh, at church is there's this very positive thing about church, but there's always this underlying negative thing like i remember so many churches that i've gone to where everything's great and all of a sudden they're trying to oust the pastor yeah and there's all this underlying you know political stuff that goes on so there's there's a little bit of negative energy that can go on in 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 those locations we were talking about tv shows earlier i think it would be great for a team of two or more people to just investigate churches and see if they can actually get evidence of the Holy
0: Spirit and what that might actually look like if it's actually a thing. That would be very interesting. I think you should also have a team of FBI profilers follow priests around and see what they can find in their past. <laughs> Does everybody get the theme of this show? I throw out some great ideas and then you
2: just take it a couple of notches to the left.
0: <laughs> like, oh, holy shit. He seemed like such a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the sacristy feels really de- negative and dark and weird. And
2: it's
0: <laughs> fucking creepy. What's as- all
2: over that robe? I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Suddenly the ghost show takes a very dark turn on a very special episode. <laughs> that would be on a very special three part episode. Yeah. It's creepy. 855 853 4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to. A caller. Hey, this
1: is Eric calling from Central Illinois. Um, calling to tell you about something that happened to me that I found kind of weird a uh, couple weeks ago. Um, so I had a uh, paranormal investigation I was going to on a Saturday night. And starting the week, uh, that m- like Monday, uh, I just had a feeling that something bad was going to happen to me on Saturday. And... That, that feeling kind of progressed as the week went on and and I was emotional where like I would just sometimes kind of just start tearing up. Um, and my partner, she's she was she was like, You're moping around. Did your did your dog die? Are you okay? And then I kinda of started getting a feeling like maybe something was wrong with a friend of mine. Um, and I almost felt compelled to just start texting people, asking if they were okay, if there's any health issues. So, uh, we go to the investigation and, uh, nothing, nothing bad happens during the investigation. And so I just thought maybe it was just me getting myself kind of hyped up, uh, for, uh, for the investigation and just my... Worries were were nothing, and uh, that Monday, um, I get a text message from my dad, and he asked me, you know, who what was the last name of your supervising teacher that you had when you student taught, and I texted it back to him, and he said, well, I'm sorry to inform you, but uh, he passed away on Saturday, and it just kind of dawned on me like maybe that was something that uh, that I was feeling or knew it was coming, and I really wasn't too upset because I think I'd already mourned, uh, mourned his passing uh, the week prior. So I don't know, just a little empath uh, incident that I had, and uh, enjoy the podcast, and thank you. Have a good day.
0: Thanks for sharing that story. That's an ability I would not want to have the – Okay, when I feel this, it means someone died, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, he obviously
2: is aware of the fact that he's probably an empath, and that's probably what was taking place. Um, I know people who, when they're getting ready for an investigation, and, you know, it's a week off or maybe two weeks off or something... They start getting all these messages of names and 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 visuals and all that kind of stuff. And then after the investigation, they do more research on the place. And, well, you can line up this name with that and, and that that picture with this picture. And it's kind of crazy. And for me, like, I'm not sure I could deal with that if that was like an everyday occurrence.
0: I can't deal with everyday occurrences of things that are like hard facts in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like let's try and figure out the okay great that we'll get to it we'll figure it out but if it's like all like kind of shady and in the haze and it's like i'm kind of getting this feeling this way or that way that's that's quite an ability if, if you're able to to focus in on things of that nature i think would it also be
2: i would never ask this question like when my death date is no and i know people who you know, have some abilities and things like that or claim to, and they feel like they know what they're going to die of and when they're going to die. And it's like, why would you want to know that?
0: I don't want to know that. I really, I have no desire. I I think I would, if you want to like do the ultimate let's fuck with someone's mind, give them that information. And I I just think it would be very traumatic uh, because I think it would, you'd be running every single thing you do through that filter going forward. You know, are you spending your time the wisest? Uh, should I be doing this? Could could I change uh, when the death date is, if it's uh, earlier than you want it to be? Um right. or, or if it's like a certain thing, it's going to be a car accident or what? Insert, you know, a thing here. Then you're going to avoid being in a car for as much as you possibly can. Um, I don't know. I think it could really, it could put somebody off the rails uh, knowing some of that information. Absolutely. That'd be very creepy. Thank you for sharing that story with us. We do greatly appreciate it. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, you want access to all of the commercial-free episodes. Everything in advance, all ad-free. The archive, the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories. You can get on an Apple podcast right now on our channel. You can subscribe uh, subscribe, and even try it for three days free. If you're not there, patreon.com slash Stories or ghostpodcast.com to get in on all of that. Until next time, for Todd and all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening.